Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Uh, it's so nice to be back. I know we've been gone for a while, but uh, between hospitalizations and people having kids, <laughs> can't really help it. We spent a lot of time at Einstein. Yeah, spent a lot of time at Einstein Montgomery. Uh, shout out to all the nurses and the doctors and <laughs> the ER staff. Um, yeah, baby's doing great. Healthy, hungry, <laughs> gassy, gassy. <laughs> Older brother's doing great. Getting, getting used to things. We're able to record this episode because he's at my parents' house, having a nice slumber party. So he, lo he loves a good slumber party. He does love a good slumber party. Um, we did not know that until this afternoon, so this is a bit of an impromptu episode. So we're just going to do a nice. Uh, junk drawer style episode because even though we do uh quite a few of these i still just have so many things uh we'll start with this one because i don't know if it's gonna work looks like it is yeah it is i thought maybe it would be you need to subscribe to oh. open more articles mm -hmm. but it's not uh i won't do all of these because we're not gonna know all of them so I'll jump around, peruse through, see what we know, where it landed. Uh, Rolling Stone. So we did the greatest TV shows of all time. They've done the movies that we haven't yeah. gotten to. Or no, they didn't do movies. They did albums. Haven't gotten to that yet. Um, but they recently, two weeks ago, I saved the 100 greatest TV theme songs of all time. Oh, wow. Are there even 100 TV theme songs? I guess, like... Yeah, there's more than 100. So, does it give any... Yeah, because, like, the X-Files just has that, like, sound. Yeah, so it's not really songs, First, we assembled but... a massive list of great songs throughout the entire long history of TV. We then pared down... Pared? Pared? P-A-R-E-D? Pared down... Paired that down by looking for diversity in terms of style of music, style of show, and era. Honestly, the entire 100 could have been made up of shows from the 70s. Apologies to the White Shadow, What's Happening, and many more that did not make the final list. Somewhere, some were written expressly for that show, while others were pre-existing songs giving new life through their association with a particular series. Then we considered two main factors. How great is it as a song? And how well does it prepare you for the show that follows in terms of mood and or an explanation of the premise? Sometimes mm. one factor weighed more heavily than the other and many bitter fights were fought. There are still a lot of hurt feelings regarding which ABC's TGIF family sitcoms got the nod and which ones didn't. <laughs> like any attempt of, to quantify art, there was ultimately a lot of gut feelings involved. On its own, theme song A is an objectively better piece of music than theme song B, but theme song B is such a more perfect match for its show. This list, with many of the blurbs owing a debt to the wealth of theme song history in the books in the book TV's Greatest Hits by John Burlingame, is our attempt to explain why we chose these 100 over any or all of your favorites. Number 100, WandaVision. Oh. That's a good song. Terriers. I'm aware of that show. Never heard of it. Three's Company, number 98. No, that needs to be way higher. Coming out on our door. 
take a step at his new. Ooh, 97 is Rescue Me. You never watched Rescue Me? I didn't watch the whole series. Jacob and my parents did. Great theme song. A show that I do want to watch, because what I saw was actually a good show. It's about, um, I think it's a bit more than I thought it was about. Yeah, this Dennis Leary firefighter drama needed intro music to match the anguished pain of its FDNY characters in the aftermath of 9 Yeah, that's, I, that's what I thought it was. I thought it was heavy. It's a good show, though. I mean, it's Dennis Leary, so there's tons of hysterical shit in it. Yeah. Chips. The Partridge Family. Aww. New Girl. I Dream of Jeannie. All that? Number 92. Have Gun, Will Travel. Never even heard of that show. No. Number 90, The Walking Dead. Hmm. That, That was a good song for that show. It really set the tone yeah. for that show. Yeah. I do agree with that. Number 89 is The Olympics. Cool. cool. Number 88, Stranger Things. Yeah. It fits. 87, The Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah. That, because it's the Bare Naked Ladies. That's a great song wow. for that show. Wow. Number 86, The Flintstones. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that's only number 86. I can't believe... Three's Company is 99. I mean, that's 98. That's also true. 85 is Dallas. 84, The Leftovers Season 2. Okay. Did it have a different... I guess. 83, Pachinko. Apple TV (laughs) Plus. Never heard of it. Number 82, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Number 81, The Dick Van Dyke Show. Number 80, Green Acres. Oh, 79 is Mad Men. 78 is WKRP in Cincinnati. Do they take into account, like, whether or not you can remember all the words? Because if that's the case, Green Acre should be way at the top. Probably not. Because. Well, I think it was, that's how good those... is it as a song, and how good is yeah. it for the show? Yeah. So how good of it is a song is probably, like, how memorable is it? Because, like, I don't remember ever watching any of the show, but I could probably sing the whole theme song right now. Number 77, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Oh. Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Moonlighting, Boondocks, that was a good show, good theme song, Malcolm in the Middle, Parks and Recreation, number 70, Phineas and Ferb. Oh, that's a great song. You know who sings it? Bowling for Soup. Bowling for Soup. Number 69, Full House. (laughs) SWAT. 67, Dawson's Creek. That's a real song. Yeah. A radio song. Mm -hmm. I think think that gives enough angsty prelude to the show. Number 66, Happy Days. Happy Days. The first... So the first rock song to ever chart. These days are uh, happy and free. The single, backed with the amazingly named Cruisin' with the Fonz, hit number five on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah. 65, Peacemaker. That's a great theme song. I could play that for you when this is over. 
is that? It's a really great, and I should show you the opening credits. Like, it's hysterical what James Gunn did with the opening credits for that. Because it's just them dancing. It's a very choreographed dance number, and it's so funny because it's John Cena. 64, The Wonder Years. Oh, yeah. That's Joe Cocker. I'm like, what was that? Yeah. What, what would, you do? would you do if I sang out of tune? A show today that took place two decades in the past would be set in 2002. A theme for that could be Nickelback's How You Remind Me <laughs> or Avril Lavigne's Complicated. Why'd they pick Nickelback and Avril Lavigne as like the two? Because if we've learned anything in this house, it's that Canada does things a lot better than America does. Yeah, but Nickelback and, and Avril Lavigne are married. It's and they're like, also well, Canadian. Are they still married? Yeah, I think so. Is she married to Chad Kroger? Yeah. I did not know that. 63 is Taxi. Friday Night Lights. 61, The Drew Carey Show. Love that song. The okay. Odd Couple is number 60. The Andy Griffith Show is number 59. Frasier is number 58. Yes. Yes. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Yes. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. It's so perfect because it's Kelsey Grammer. It's such a perfect song for that. Oh, my. Welcome back, Cotter. 56. Seinfeld. Oh. Yeah. Mash is number 55. Lost is number 54. Different Strokes is number 53. In Living Color is 52. Match Game is 51. Oh, another one where it's just like... Bow, bow, bow. Was that the... Is that Match Game? Or is that no. Price is Right? I don't, I don't know. It's not Match Game. Match game is that just, Price is Right? It might be. The match game was literally just like 70s porn music. I think it might be. Yeah. I think I'm thinking of The Price is Right. So that was 51, I said. Mm -hmm. Number 50, Sesame Street. Uh, sure. That one should probably Sunny be... That should probably be way further up than it is. 49, How to Make It in America. I watched the first season of that on HBO. It's actually a really good song. It's um, I Need a Dollar by Allo Black. It's an actual song. Oh. Number 48, The Love Boat. The Love Boat. That's all I know. 47, Orange is the New Black. That was a good song. Yeah. Bonanza. Gilmore Girls is number 45. Oh, yeah. Living Single is number 44. Law and Order is number 43. The X-Files has to be on here. Number 42. What lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, white weather. Um, number 41, Sex in the City. The Monkees is number 40. Hey, hey, we're the monkey. Number 39 is The X Files. It's just, like, such an iconic sound. Number 38, The Golden Girls. Thank you for being a friend. Dragnet. Number 36 is Laverne and Shirley. Twin Peaks. 
very like divided i think in popularity i think it's a fucking terrible show because it was so goddamn weird and left both series finales left so many unanswered questions but it was a very decent similar in like the stranger things-esque theme song well, the same as style Lost. The of, show was. I mean, I didn't watch Lost, so I don't know what the theme song is. Kind of weird, but theme song was good. Number thirty-four, The Dukes of Hazard. Oh. The Adams there... Family. Yes. Number thirty-three, Miami Vice is number thirty-two. There are some of these that really should be higher. The Mary Tyler Moore Show, One Day at a Time, The Greatest American Hero. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. Never thought I'd feel so free. And Perfect Strangers? That's the greatest American. Oh. Ever. 28 is Good Times. Great song. Hill Street Blues. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, number 26. Oh, God. 25 is Succession. That's actually a really good opening. Star Trek is number 24. It's Gary Shandling's show is 23. Peter Gunn is 22. Don't know what that is. Curb Your Enthusiasm is 21. Well, can I start to guess what's in the top 10? Well, we're not at the top 10 yet. We're at number 20. Because there's some shows that are missing that I can't believe they're... How does number 20 start? Oh, shit. I forget the opening line. I can only, like, think of the middle, because 20 is... And you knew who you were then... Girls were goyles and men were men. Oh. Mr. We could use a man like Herbert Hoover again. All in the family? All in the family. I don't remember how that one starts, though. Yeah, I don't either. I remember, like, the piano, but I don't remember the opening, like, lyrics to it. I'm just jumping to the middle in my brain for some reason. Those were the days. Yeah. (laughs) The Sopranos is number 19. The Simpsons is number 18. The Muppet Show is number 17. The show I'm thinking of still hasn't come up. The Rockford Files, Mission Impossible, The Wire, Cheers is number 13. Mm. Hawaii Five-0 is number 12. Game of Thrones is number 11. So we are now at the top 10. Friends. Um, uh, moving on up. That's the Jefferson. Yeah, I couldn't think of the show. So number 10 is some weird 2014 adult swim show called Too Many Cooks. Weird. And I don't want to be a dick. I'll listen to the theme song when this is over, but I can't imagine that should be number 10 on the top 100 greatest TV show themes of all time. Yeah. Some one season crap show. I mean, maybe it was good. I don't know. But Adult Swim has a track record of like, for every one good show, there's about 10 horrendous garbage shit shows that people think are great because it's on at like 2 o'clock in the morning Mm. and you're stoned out of your fucking mind. Right. The OC, number 9. Oh. Number 8. Friends. Yeah, I knew it was going to be on there. Number seven, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh, yeah, yeah. Number six, The Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Number five, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh. Number four, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Number three, Sanford and Son. Okay. Burr, burr, burr. 
Number two is a tie between the Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island. Wow. And number one on Rolling Stone's best TV theme songs of all time, the Jeffersons. I knew it. I told you. I'm like, I mean, there's, there's two shows I'm thinking of, and they haven't come up yet. They've got to be in the top ten. They were, really. Well, but I think anymore, like, the theme songs just aren't what they used to be. Well, no, a lot of times they're just instrumental now. Yeah. I really miss that era. The 70s, the 80s, the early 90s, when it was like, it was a song. Yeah. Like, they played whatever version got played on TV. But then, like, you could look it up, and it was like a full three-minute long song. Even if it was You know what I'm shocked, now that it's coming through my brain, was not on this list? Family Matters. Oh, yeah. Or Family Ties. Yeah, or Family Ties. I feel like a lot of the ones in that Family Guy From medley. Like the l- late 80s, Silver early 90s. Spoons? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like but thinking of I all guess the... their criteria. I'm thinking of all the shows in that Family Guy medley. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't there. Because Different you? Strokes was. <laughs> Different Strokes was on there. But yeah, Family Ties wasn't, which is very strange to me that Family Ties wasn't. Cause, step by Step, that was a great one. Like, Family Ties, I feel like, was very iconic. But I guess, like, they were just going off of... They gave you the criteria, so... I don't know. I don't buy it. I also don't buy that Game of Thrones is number 11, because, like... I mean, I don't know. It's a weird thing to look at for TV theme songs, because... Like... The two criteria you give, is it a great song? Does it fit for that show? A lot of those more instrumental ones, like, yes, it fits for that show, but it's not a... Right, I'm not listening, I'm not to, listening to the Game of no. Thrones theme song just on a whim. I mean, I don't really listen to any TV themes, but, like, the no, Game of Thrones like theme a... song, the Simpsons theme song, even, like... Right. Succession. I'm not listening... These aren't good songs. They're good theme songs, but, like, they're not... Right, I'm not listening to them outside. Whereas, of the moving on up, Family Ties, Family Matters. There may be an occasion. To Full House, to it. like those are songs with words. Thank you for being a friend. Always on rotation. I'm surprised that one's not higher. Thank you for being a friend. Um, next up. Rankers, the most underrated comedies of the 1980s. I'm not going to know any of these. Well, that's what this, we're going to see if we've seen them. War Games? That wasn't underrated. I also, was that a comedy? I think so. Was it defined as a comedy? I don't remember. I think so. Weird Science? Um, Top Secret. Jim Abrams and brothers David and Jerry Zucker, known from Airplane. And the Kentucky Fried movie, which I still haven't watched, and I really—I never heard of it, so you I can really skip want all to. of it. <laughs> well, I'm just telling you, like, what it's about. That's the point of what I started to read. Yeah, 
I think I'm going to know zero of these. Well known for parody and satire films by the mid-1980s, following the release of the Kentucky Fried Movie and Airplane, the trio of directors set their sights on musicals, spy films, and war films from the 1984 parody Top Secret. In his film debut, Val Kilmer stars as American rock star Nick Rivers, who travels to Germany on a secret mission under the guise of performing at a cultural festival. Doesn't have much in terms of plot. The jokes come fast and don't let up. Irreverent at its core, Top Secret is just plain silly fun, poking at a f- poking fun at popular movies of cinema's past. Better Off Dead? I've heard of this one. No. Never heard of this one? No. Who's in it? A dark comedy presented such zany irreverence that even suicide attempts are humorously depicted. Following a devastating breakup with his girlfriend, high school student Lane Meyer, played by John Cusack, is resigned to taking his own life. Though he fails at multiple attempts, desperate to overcome the shame of being dumped for the popular captain of the ski team, Lane challenges him to a race down the most dangerous mountain in the area with the help of an attractive new French foreign exchange student named Monique, played by Diane Frankel. I may have watched this. That sounds very familiar. And if I did, I only watched it because John Cusack was in it. That sounds like a movie that's hard to find because it did not age well. <laughs> the Great Outdoors. Oh, I was I almost put that on the other day. John Candy. I forget where it was streaming. Dan Aykroyd. Paramount Plus, maybe? According to this, it's available on Xfinity. And you have to pay for it on Prime, iTunes, and Vudu. So, who knows? No, it was definitely streaming somewhere. Strange Brew. Based on popular characters from the Canadian sketch comedy show SCTV, Strange Brew is a sophomore comedy loosely based on William Shakespeare's Hamlet. Oh. With the two bumbling leads in roles similar to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. After failing to impress an audience with a cheaply made film, unemployed slackers and brothers Bob and Doug McKenzie, Rick Moranis, and Dave Thomas oh, God. attempt to swindle a beer company into giving them free alcohol, only to become employees entangled in the plot of world domination by the evil Brewmeister Smith, Max von Sydow. Involving mind control as well as the mystery surrounding the murder of the brewery's former owner, Strange Brew was well-received by critics, but failed to find a wide audience upon its initial release. Sounds like it. I would see that. Oh my god! Number five. Dirty, rotten scoundrels. It is such a shame that you have still not seen this movie, but you saw the fucking... It wasn't billed as a remake, but that fucking Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson movie was just a ripoff of this movie. Steve Martin and Michael Caine, of all people. It's brilliant. It's so funny. It's so good. Is it really underrated? I think it is. I think a lot of people don't know it exists. Oh. That one, because I've heard... I think it's the same thing with, like, Plane, Trains, and Automobiles being a cult comedy movie and that's why you can make due date and people don't think like this is just planes trains and automobiles so you could make whatever the fuck that rebel wilson movie was and no one's gonna think like this is just dirty rotten scoundrels with females yeah until i'm watching it with you and i'm like this is just dirty rotten scoundrels with two ladies this is the same movie just like modern and two women instead of two men like it's the exact same movie 
Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Oh, I was going to say, which one? The only one you haven't seen, because it's not fucking available anywhere. Yeah. And I don't understand why. Like, why can I watch Flying Circus and... Whoever, like, there's, like, a distribution But, like, problem. why can I watch... Life of Brian, I can watch. Because it must have been distributed by Holy like a, Grail. I can someone watch. Different. Um, Flying Circus, their it's best also, bits, them live at the Hollywood Bowl. It's not in their DVD pack either. I can watch literally everything Python has ever done on American Netflix, but I can't watch the it, Meaning of Life. Whoever distributed it is like, and you can't watch it cold. anywhere. Like, I don't get it. It's so funny. And it gives you the great, the Galaxy song, which is like one of the best songs Monty Python did. Mm. So good. The Burbs, number seven. Uh, with Tom Hanks? With Tom Hanks. I've seen that one. And Carrie Fisher, apparently. Oh, maybe, yeah, I did see it, yeah. We started it, I no, think, I saw it. like in the car, and you finished it, I fell asleep. Yeah, I saw I want to watch it, but. I saw it. Wherever we watched it, I was like tired when we put it on, I think I fell asleep. Um, Night Shift, starring Ron Howard's sophomore feature, stars Henry Winkler and Michael Keaton in his first leading role, Michael Keaton. Oh. When Chuck Loomy, Henry Winkler, leaves his, leaves his life as a successful stockbroker in search of a more peaceful mm. existence, he takes a job as an attendant at a New York City morgue. Everything is going well until he is assigned the night shift alongside his excitable co-worker Bill Blazjowski, played by Michael Keaton, who comes up with the idea of turning the morgue into headquarters for local prostitutes. Hmm. For those of you wondering, yes, that is our baby in the background. Just a bit fussy. Um, number nine is UHF. That Weird Al movie that I still want to see. Oh. I wonder if Milk Money's on this list. Twins. Oh. Number ten. Oh, I didn't. I, I wouldn't have thought that was underrated either. Roxanne, number eleven, the uh, Steve Martin movie. Number twelve, Throw Mama from the Train. Oh. Billy Crystal and Danny DeVito. Number 13, speaking of Danny DeVito, The War of the Roses. Never heard of it. It's Danny DeVito, who also directed it. Uh, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. Hmm. What begins as petty games of resentment and cruelty eventually turns into the couple attempting to murder each other while they're getting divorced. Oh. The entire narrative is presented as a cautionary tale told by divorce lawyer Ganny Gavin Diamato, played by Danny DeVito, <laughs> who recounts the escalating conflict between Oliver and Barbara Rose, played by Michael Douglas and Kathleen that's, Turner. That's fun. I do want to see it, because when I looked up, like, what other movies did DeVito direct, that was one of them, and I'm like, I really want to watch this. I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker was amazing. Keenan Ivory Wayans did it, and it's a parody of 1970s black exploitation films. It's so funny. I watched it a while ago. After Hours... In between some of Martin Scorsese's most iconic and highly praised films, he made a few small, dark comedies, including After Hours. He just put out, like, 
in some interview his list of like the 10 greatest movies of all time and i'm like it's not hard to see why your taste in quote unquote cinema is fucking garbage because it's all this weird pretentious art house bullshit and i'm like you're a fucking weirdo Quentin Tarantino is super into movies, and you ask him this question, and he's giving you some weird shit, but he's also giving you shit people have heard of. Right. It's Martin Scorsese's is literally ten movies no one has ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, now we're down to... Oh, 18 was the last one. I didn't ever hear of. Oh. Hollywood Shuffle, Zelig, and Modern Romance. The fact that it does a testament to director and star Albert Brooks. The only one I would probably see is Modern Romance because it's directed and stars Albert Brooks. Out of those final three, because I'd never heard. Zebling would be with Woody Allen, which, hard pass. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see if we got anything else in here. It's interessante. The nine weirdest and best viral Bluey fan theories. Mackenzie has depression. What? If you want me to read the description, you can just tell me, but I was just going to go through and read. Yeah. Would you like the description on that one? Um, well, like a little bit. Kids shows are usually happy and upbeat, but Bluey likes to keep things real, and the show owners can do that in a way only parents notice. Well, at least that's true of this fan theory about Mackenzie during the space episode. I don't think we've seen that space one. Space Invader? No, it's just literally called Space. Oh. And that doesn't sound familiar to me. This sounds like it's going to be from a season that has not um, come out in America yet. Yeah, we definitely haven't seen this episode. Okay, so we won't read that theory. So there's quite a few of these that we may not get. Because we probably haven't well, seen Well, maybe if that one's just like episode specific, but some of them might be. Well, it's not. They don't give away. Like during the space episode, first Mackenzie keeps disappearing and then going into flashbacks of when he was younger. Eventually in the episode, the character walks into a black hole, which fans theorize is symbolic of depression. Oh. Judo's parents are divorced. Judo, Bluey's other neighbor, is a secondary character. However, fans still notice they always see Judo's mom. There's no sight of her having another parent. The running theory on why is that when Wendy is that Wendy, Judo's mom, is divorced and Judo splits her time between two houses. This is explained subtly, like in one episode where Bluey said she hadn't seen Judo in a while and why Wendy is always by herself. Oh. Bandit and Chili are secret smugglers. Well, that one is... Cause one they... TikTok user explains that since Bandi, <laughs> Bandit works as an archaeologist while her mom, Chili, works in airport security, there's no way they could afford their lifestyle unless they were criminals. Yeah. Indy's mom is having an affair. There are several fan theories about Indy's mom. What the heck? No, Bandit and Wendy are having and an And they send her around Indy's relationships. One theory is that she's having an affair with another dog who works at the same market where Indy's mom sells her gluten-free cakes. The basis of this theory comes from one episode where the two can be seen in the background quite cozy as they walk into work. However, another theory is that Indy's parents may be in a polyamorous relationship. Ooh, that's fun. I mean, we've all seen Indy's mom. There's definitely nothing normal about yeah. her relationship. 
or the fact that I get suggested groups on Facebook that are Indy's mom's stash box. Ew. And it's clearly a like fan-made picture of her high as a fucking kite <laughs> as the picture. That's awesome. Bingo has celiac disease. Oh, now she eats bread. This theory is a little harder to piece together than others, and the clues are spanned across several episodes, one TikTok user suggests. The gist is that in the first season, Bingo was in the hospital, and there is no explanation on why. In another episode during the second season, Bandit packs lunch for Bingo and sorts through the food that is and isn't gluten-free. Given gluten-free food is brought up several times throughout the seasons, Bingo likely has celiac disease, an autoimmune disorder where consuming gluten causes harm to the intestines, so treatment is to eat gluten-free. But how does she eat pavlova, then? I don't know. What's it, gluten-free? I don't know. <laughs> she eats bread, though. You presented that, like... I don't know. They. She eats bread. Bandit's dad, Bob, is dead. Well, we've kind of thought that too. This theory has been dissected a few times. The running theory is that Bandit's dad has died. He was in one episode where he was dancing with his wife, but after that, Bob was only seen in flashbacks, and he's completely gone from any other family gatherings after that episode. One TikTok user says that some answers about where Bob is might be answered in the upcoming third season. I can tell you if it's the third season that's on Disney+, Plus, that is incorrect. Yeah. Because the only episode he's in is the... The grannies. The 1980s. Right. right. In a flashback. In a flashback, yep. But yes, in present time, he's only in the grannies. But then he's not in Veranda Santa, which has the entire family. He's not in Christmas Swim, which is the entire family is involved. Because Stripe is there, and mm -hmm. they talk to... What's his name on the phone? Rad. And Grandma's there, but... Hold on, let me go get my glasses. <laughs> but, that might make sense that they changed... They could have changed the dynamic because Chili's mom is clearly dead. Right. Because you never see her mother. It's only ever her dad. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, she could be divorced, I guess, but they don't ever talk about her yeah, mom, no. which would lead me to believe that she's probably dead. Everyone in Coco's family is a show dog. Have you ever seen an episode of Toddlers and Tierras? The show follows young toddlers whose parents put them in extravagant beauty pageants, and that's the running theory for Coco's family. There isn't another family in the Bluey universe where the characters have bright colors. The idea is that the family dyes their fur pink like beauty pageants or dog shows glam up for the events. Oh. Bluey's parents had a rainbow baby. No. <laughs> well, I mean, if that's how you want to see it. One of the more famous theories from the Bluey universe is that Bluey is a rainbow baby, a name for a baby born after miscarriage or stillbirth. The theory is that before Bluey was born, her mom, Chili, had a miscarriage. Several clues point to this being a viable theory. The most obvious came in the Mother's Day episode, which was very meaningful to parents who have experienced yeah, loss. Yeah, I think, I think if that... If you're looking for that sort of thing, that's what you would see. Yeah, I will sure. say, we saw this theory, we saw the episode. I'm not going to tell you you can't believe whatever you want to believe. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. If that's what you took from that, yeah. and that, yeah. gave you, that gave you something special, fine. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I didn't... No, and I... granted, we have not, right, we have we not had a miscarriage. 
no one I really am close with has that I've had to like be in there and involved with it for me to have that much of a connection to something like that. But I saw it as like the beginning of the episode is Bingo freaking out because she drops the breakfast in bed. Right. Then she's putting on a show and the balloon pops. The reaction I saw is not more of like the pretend baby just popped in her stomach. Right. It was more brace yourselves because she's about to lose her shit like she did five minutes ago. Right. But it, you could, I, I understand. Yeah, why I get it. See I get it's it. Just the impression that we got, we were like, oh, is that? Yeah, it didn't I, read. The, no. The emotional reaction to me of the characters didn't read like that. No. To me. No. It, but again, I'm not going to tell you you can't. No, it, and it's certainly, like, if you really... Once, I don't see it that way. Once but someone I, points it out, I'm like, oh, sure. I understand why people yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, the healer family are basically the Kardashians. Everyone knows the Kardashian family, who are famous for being a famous family, among other things. And their reality TV show catapulted them to mega-celebrity status. Well, one of the best bluey theories is that the healer family is essentially the Kardashians in their universe. They break the fourth wall all the time to speak to the audience, and throughout the series there are subtle clues, like books with the family on the cover. Oh. I don't think I've ever seen... No. ...a book with the family on the cover in bluey. No. Now I'm gonna look for it. Yeah, now I'm gonna look for it, but also, like... Is it a book or is it like a photo album? Right. <laughs> Where are the affair allegations? Yeah. That Chili and Lucky's dad? Well, we've seen one that Chili and Lucky's dad are having an affair. And Bandit and Wendy. Bandit and Wendy, but then we've also seen that there are swingers. There are tons of pineapple decor all over the healer house. For those of you not in the know, pineapples are the official, unofficial, I don't really know. They're the logo of swingers. But isn't it supposed to be upside down pineapples? No, no. An upright pineapple means you are a swinger who was just a swinger. An upside down pineapple in your shopping cart means you are a swinger who's looking to swing. Oh, oh, so that's... If you have the pineapple... But pineapple imagery is apparently associated with swingers. So the theory, the three theories are Wendy and Pat, Lucky's dad, are having an affair. No. Wendy and Bandit. Or not Wendy. Wendy and Bandit are having an affair. Chili and Lucky's dad, Pat, are having an affair. Which, the Chili and Pat is more believable to me than Wendy and Bandit. Yeah. Wendy and Bandit was very... Like, they bring up when she's deadlifting him into the car, and he's like, oh, look at her quads. I'm like, if any woman was deadlifting me from the ground into my car, I would probably point out how muscular her quads are. I think there's one... There's one other episode where, like... Well, like, everything he referenced, I'm like, you're reaching for this one. Yeah, yeah, The Chili and Pat thing... Once they point out... Makes sense. Because you and I even said it. Yeah. In the Stumpfest episode... When they rip that stump out, and Pat's like, yeah, you like that, Chili? And I'm like, weird. Very weird. Also very weird that we don't ever see your wife until... um, Never. No. What's that episode called? The Pass the Parcel. Oh. She's in that episode because they... Mm -hmm. It's Lucky's dad's rules. 
What happened to raising a nation of squibs? But there's also in the dance mode one. He's two cars back yeah. when Chili is shake it, Chili. Yeah. So, but like I always, I mean, I would have never. No, I would never like, have thought that until someone pointed it out. And they're like, oh yeah. That is, just, it's just like. I mean, I did immediately point out the like stump fest one the stump fest. Like you like that, Chili? I'm like, that's super fucking weird. Yeah. yeah. Super weird. Well, and also, like, he he comes over the fence with, like, and the ladies like to watch us get all sweaty. Yeah, and then Chili goes, yeah, we do, or woo, or whatever. Yeah. Like, she responds. She responds to it, yeah. not, um, ooh, Her, what's, what's the sister-in-law's name? I'm not sure. Oh, Trixie. Trixie. Not Aunt Trixie. Aunt Trixie has no response to it. But I would, I would probably believe more the yeah. swinger thing because of all the pineapple decor and they kind of give that vibe they do give that vibe a little bit but they kind of all do like all the characters in that show I kind of it, well not all of them but like quite a few of them give off that vibe of like if I really looked into this well and it might just be like that's the way like Australians are just like well and it's funny because we had this conversation with the guy who directed Coco I said about how he went off on Twitter about, you know, people have this backward-ass notion that animated movies and TV shows are for children. Adults don't want to watch them, and they're not entertaining for adults. And he went on this tangent, which is correct, that Pixar movies, animated movies, but Pixar movies in particular, are not only not always for kids, but, like, Pixar movies in particular are for adults. Right. The market audience is for adults, because the concept is too, like, the concepts are too big for kids to understand. The concept of Finding Nemo is too much for your child but to like, comprehend. They can still enjoy he will be entered yeah. And yeah. he said, like when we make movies at Disney and Pixar, you know, we're not putting in adult humor and inappropriate things because we know children are also going to watch it. Yeah. And kids will be entertained by it. But the actual plot line and the concept of this movie, kids aren't going to understand it. Right, it's a little heady for them. Like in the 90s when I watched The Lion King, I'm not really fully understanding the fact that... It's Hamlet. Well, not that it's Hamlet, but I'm not understanding the fact that, like, Mufasa was murdered by his brother. Right. And then his son, like, watched him die. As a child, you're not grasping that that concept. You see it. Then as an adult, you're like, oh, shit. But they don't don't understand, like, the... Well, and you especially don't get it as a child, because then he comes back in the clouds, and you're like, oh, he's right there. He's not dead. Because it's the Whoa. 90s, and I was however old when I watched that movie. So, like, but Finding Nemo, you're not grasping the concept at the beginning of that movie where, like, the mom and all but one of the kids is now dead. Well, and, like, a lot of, like, the undertones are lost on kids. Like, the significance of the things that are happening. Oh, yeah. Like, they understand what's happening. They just, oh, yeah. they don't see, like, the big, big, big picture. Well, and, like, for it to be the guy who directed Coco. Like, Coco is a very yes. high concept movie for yes. you to tell me that that movie is for children. Yeah. But my point is, when you look at Bluey, it's kind of the same thing. Now, Bluey, at its original concept, was a show for adults. It was not a show for children when they first thought it up. It was a show for adults. Right. And I I think it is still a show for adults, just marketed to kids, because of the fact of, like, the guy who directed Coco said, I've watched stuff that is for yes. children, and it is unbearable. Children can watch it, sure. But a, if you are an adult watching a show for children, it's 
awful. It's just the worst thing you will ever watch. Well, and it's not like when you compare it to the other hot show for kids Tony's age, Coco Melon. Yeah. It is like a world well, of Well, Coco Melon, look at, as much as I fucking despise it, look at fucking Blippy. Shit like that. Like, I'm not watching that as an adult. Like, man, this is good TV. Right. Right. No, there's no, there's nothing in that show that's entertaining for adults. I mean, unless, like, short of, oh, sometimes the songs are catchy, you know, like, that sort of a thing. But, like, there's also zero plot, period. Like, it, it's just songs and lots of movements and weird noises and... Now I think there are maybe and this isn't this isn't involved in animation, which really blippy isn't either. Because I was gonna say there are exceptions to that. Because Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, I think, is enjoyable across the board. I think Sesame Street is enjoyable across the board. But those are shows that are for children. Mister Rogers' Neighborhood yeah. isn't for adults. No, no. But Mister, those were like educational programs, yeah. which are a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but after think after reading that and then thinking about it, it made me think more like I think Bluey still is a there's, show for adults. There's tons of stuff that's intentional in there. Oh yeah, to because like there's a lot of jokes that are like like Tony would laugh at, but like only because you can tell it's supposed to be funny. Well, it's the same thing of like what he picks up from that show. And what we pick up from that show are two very different things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you watch that show as a parent, and it's kind of showing you, like... Here's how to play with your kids. <laughs> here's tips and tricks for, like, how to handle different yeah. parenting issues, whether it be playing games or disciplinary problems. Here's different ways to handle it than yeah. what you've probably thought of before. Or, like... When they're walking to the playground and Bluey keeps interrupting Bandit's conversations. You want your child to pick up, like, the lesson of just grab my hand right. and I will acknowledge that you're there. Oh, yeah, they don't see And when that. I'm done speaking, then I will speak to you. Tony picks up from that episode, I don't even know what. But he's not picking up that lesson. No. And that's something that's there, clearly, for the adults. You can see firsthand, like... Your child isn't grasping this. Yeah. This is this is them telling you as an adult, right. try this. Yeah. But. I mean, of all the shows that Tony could have latched on to, yeah. that's one of the more. When he came back to it. Well, he came back to it a lot more when the third season came out. Because we watched Bluey. When he was young, probably too young to even yeah, like, he didn't he didn't know anything that was happening. Just it was bright colors and music and whatever. And he likes the shows that have a plot over like which he kind of always did. He would know it's like I know you're not grasping any of this. And I think that's but, why he didn't like um, Sesame Street at first because like it didn't. Well, I think Sesame Street was too long. And because the plot didn't go all the way through, no, it changed. It's a different. Lot. Yeah, it's essentially Saturday Night Live. Yeah. It's just different sketches. Um. But yeah, when when the third season came out and we put it on, he kind of had a resurgence. And I think it's because now he's he at the age where he can watch it and he can grasp things. Well, and he remembers it, so now he asks He can be a... walking around the house chanting, save our stump. <laughs> and, yeah. like, 
Daddy Robot. Bonjour. <laughs> Daddy Robot and Magic Claw. Bad Mood. Bad Mood. Oh my god, he loves Bad Mood. Pavlova. And it's weird because he remembers the episode title, so yeah. like, we don't even have to go. Well, not it. really. It's it's because there are episodes. It's the coincidence of like bad mood is called bad mood. Well, because they're all the episodes are. No, like, I know, but he doesn't really remember the episode title. It's more that like he remembers it's well, bad mood. They he also wants to watch say bad them in mood. every episode. Yeah. I think that's why he. Can. This episode of Bluey is called. Yeah, so he, which also lends itself to the Kardashian thing and that weird conspiracy theories. Because, like, why do they... Oh, Why uh is the opening them telling you what the name Mm -hmm. of the episode is? Well, like, Stumpfest. He knows it's called Stumpfest. But along with Save Our Stump, I think he remembers, like, when the three of them walk into the backyard, like, Stumpfest! Like, it's very celebratory. But Um, it's one show that, like, their episodes are named so, like, you can... When you're looking, when your kid's like, I want to watch this one, you can find it. You don't have to, like... Have a barn. I mean, my f- one of my favorites is still... This episode of Bingo is called Bingo. My favorite they, is still the Granny. When they switched it. I thought that was great, because it was unexpected for everybody in this house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tony was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one where she's doing the puzzle, or is that a different one? Yeah, the pu- where she has the piece stuck in her Yeah, mouth. the kiwi. Because the whole episode it's is... It's on your bottom. Yeah, her, hand, her hanging up the posters. It's on your bum. And she turned around like, there it is. The posters work. The posters work. And Chili and Panther are like, oh, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's another one I'll jump around. 31 unexpected facts about holiday traditions. Eggnog. Medieval Britain had a drink called posset, a milky ale used to toast and good used to toast to good health. It led to eggnog, which became a holiday tradition and with American colonists during the 1700s. Christmas caused the Second English Civil War. The the Puritans thought people got too drunk and promiscuous on Christmas. So they banned it in England for almost 20 years. On Christmas Day, businesses were kept open and churches were locked. Yikes. In Canterbury, this led to pro-Christmas rioting, which eventually grew into a rebellion and then a civil war. Oh my gosh. Decorating Christmas trees. The Christmas tree originated in Germany in the Middle Ages. A guild decorated a tree with apples and tinsel in in 1419. Additionally... Evergreen firs decorated with apples were used to celebrate the feast day of Adam and Eve. The legend is that poor man couldn't afford dowries for his daughters, so St. Nick snuck gold into stockings left to dry. Socks were originally left by the fireplace on St. Nicholas Day, December 6th, but became associated with Christmas by the 1800s. The anti-commercialism classic, A Charlie Brown Christmas, only exists because of commercialism. In 1965, networks were interested in producing a Peanuts cartoon. Coca-Cola offered to finance the production of a Christmas special in exchange for promotional consideration, of course. Hmm. The man who invented Kwanzaa went to prison for torturing two black women whom he thought were conspiring against him. Yikes. The women were beaten while naked, burned with a hot iron, and waterboarded. Yikes! 
fruitcakes were considered so rich and decadent that they were actually made illegal in Europe in the 1700s. Oh, my. Puritans banned celebrating Christmas in Massachusetts. It was a criminal offense to publicly celebrate Christmas from 1659 to 1681. This was due to the pagan roots of the holiday and the lack of a biblical basis for the celebration and how rowdy these parties would get. (laughs) Man, Christmas is... Yeah, Tim Allen, really keeping Christ in Christmas. (laughs) Mother's Day founder Anna Jarvis spent her final days in a mental asylum. Oh. Funding to keep her her in there allegedly came from flower and greeting card purveyors who weren't fans of her later efforts to repeal the holiday she created. Oh. Good for her. Because it doesn't tarnish like other metals, tinsel used to be made out of lead. Oh. The milk and cookies you leave out every year were originally intended for a gigantic eight-legged flying horse. During Yule, Norse children would leave out food for Odin's many-hooved steed Sleipnir, hoping for gifts in return. Snowmen are an iconic symbol of the joy of the holiday season and have inspired many heartfelt children's stories. However, in one of the earliest documentations dating from the Middle Ages, a snowman is used as an anti-Semitic symbol meant to blame Jews for the tragedy of the plague. More than 100 sexually graphic and deformed snowmen were later built by working-class Belgians as a form of political protest. Well. Before fir trees, there was the Thunder Oak, an altar to Thor, thought to drink human and animal blood through its roots. Saint Boniface chopped it down and directed Thor's priests to instead make the much lamer fir their new holy tree. Santa isn't the first magical creature to slide down a chimney. Many tales depicted the fireplace as the gap between our and the supernatural world, but not every creature that used that entryway was friendly. Oh, my. Asbestos was once sold as fake snow for house decor. Yikes. It was used in this scene in The Wizard of Oz. And they all have necrophiliamia. I'm pretty sure the Scarecrow's costume was also stuffed with asbestos. Oh. St. Patrick's color is blue. So why do we wear green? The color became a national symbol during the 1798 Irish Rebellion, 200 years after the first St. Patrick's Day celebration. Bobbing for apples during Halloween was originally about romance. It was believed that the first person to bite an apple without using their hands would be the first to marry. Candy canes existed since at least the 17th century. They are thought to have been brought to the U.S. when German immigrant August... Imgard introduced the Christmas tree decorated with candy canes to Ohio in 1847. Easter eggs come from egg surpluses. Christians abstained from eggs during Lent in medieval times. By the time the fast ended on Easter, villages wound up with egg surpluses that were only natural to use on a day of celebration. Hmm. Charles Dickens is responsible for the image of an idyllic white Christmas. Dickens' writing inspired the idea that the perfect Christmas is snow-filled. He grew up in the coldest decade in England since the 17th century, and his popular Christmas stories included his nostalgia for cold childhood holidays. Auld Lang Sin became the happy... Auld Lang Syne. Whatever. It's not how it's written here. It's not how it's spelled. How I said it is how it's spelled. 
and became the Happy New Year song thanks to Guy Lombardo and his band, the Royal Canadians. Lombardo, Mr. New Year's Eve, played the song live on the air every year from 1928 <laughs> until 1977. He's like, you're going to like this yeah. song for New Year's Eve. Traditional Irish jack-o'-lanterns were meant to ward off a folk spirit named Jack, who wanders by the light of an ember given to him by the devil. In legend, Jack houses his ember in a carved-out turnip, which the Irish used for jack-o'-lanterns until Irish-American immigrants switched to the local pumpkins. Hmm. A nice jack-o'-pumpkin. I mean, jack-o'-turnip. <laughs> in Germany, there is the story of the Christmas spider, whose webs on the Christmas tree were turned by Santa or Jesus, depending on the version, into silver, which is likely the origin of tinsel. New Year's resolutions today are mostly secular practice, but about 4,000 years ago, people were doing it for religious reasons. The ancient Babylonians curried favor with the gods by promising to pay their debts. The Romans proprieted their gods with sacrifices along with promises to be good citizens. Hmm. Kids used to receive letters from Santa, not write them to him. Oh. Before there were wish lists, Santa used to write kids as a form of discipline. For example, in the 1850s, the wife of poet Henry Wadsworth wrote her three children letters each Christmas that told each kid how they could improve their behavior for the year. Jesus was initially thought to have been born on... I don't know. January 6th. I know, it's not December 25th. In 200 A.D., Jesus... Jesus. <laughs> In 200 A.D., Jesus was born, believed to be a January baby. We don't really know why or how it changed, but it might because... have moved to take over pagan holidays yes. that fell near December 25th. Yeah, Is that's... that why Donald Trump had people storm the Capitol on January 6th? Because that is Jesus' actual birthday. Maybe. Wrapping paper. Gift wrapping was first documented in ancient China. It was popularized in the U.S. when Hallmark founder J.C. Hall ran out of tissue paper and used envelope liner paper to wrap gifts, which inspired him to commercially market it. Oh. Santa's reindeer were named Dunder and Blixem. The original version of the 1821 poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, originally had the names as Now Dasher, Now Dancer, Now Prancer, and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Dunder and Blixem. Reprints included Donner and Blitzen instead, and it stuck over time. Ancient Greeks might have started the tradition of kissing under the mistletoe within their celebration of the winter festival Cronia. Whiny Philadelphia cops named it Black Friday. In the 1960s, tourists would come into Philadelphia after Thanksgiving for an Army-Navy football game on Saturday. Local police officers called it Black Friday because they had to work long hours, deal with bad traffic, and unfavorable weather. Hmm. One you did not believe when I saw that earlier. No. And I looked it up, and it is true. Yeah. I thought it was Black Friday because it was companies were trying to get themselves back into black. Out of the red before the end of the year. And number one, Christmas lights were invented by Edward Hibbard Johnson in 1882, who was smart enough to think to replace fire hazards galore candles on trees with strings of light bulbs. I've always wondered that when you see Christmas imagery, and it's just people that have like the Mm -hmm. old timey candles just hanging on the end of a fir branch. I'm like, what are you doing? 
Like, you are begging to just burn your whole house mm-hmm. down. Or at bare minimum, light that tree up. Yeah, like, my God. Um. There was one I thought. I will peruse through this. This might be our closing one. 35 people revealed the moment they realized they were poor, and it's really eye-opening. This is a BuzzFeed article. A couple weeks ago, I remembered a time from my childhood where a family member was worried about parking their car on my street because my neighborhood was unsafe, in air quotes. Imagine saying that to someone who lives there, who eats there, sleeps there, spends all their time there. It got me thinking about other times in my childhood where people said things to me or in front of me about how much money my family had or rather didn't have. And it's like, I was a kid. There's nothing wrong with a child knowing that they're poor, but when other people tell you that, it's something different. It's something that makes you different and something that you should feel shameful for, then it's a real problem. I knew I wasn't alone in my experience and I wanted to see other people's reactions and stories. So recently I asked the BuzzFeed community to tell me their moment from their childhood when they realized they were poor, here's what they had to say. We never had any other kids' cartoon channels other than PBS. My friends would talk about SpongeBob and Steven Universe, and I have never seen those shows. During my third grade, when I got sent home because my shirts kept showing my belly, my mom couldn't afford to buy new clothes when I grew up. The teacher was always super rude about it, too, and acted like I was a harlot and would call me out in front of the entire class to shame me. I realized I was poor when my friend had Mickey Mouse Popsicle after my mom had told us that they were only for the super rich. My friend's family wasn't all that more well off. It was then that I realized it was a luxury to have a name brand thing from the grocery store when you are poor. We only had one car when I was growing up. I remember while I was getting repaired, while I was getting repaired, my dad dropped me off at my friend's home in the courtesy car from the mechanic. I still cringe to this day because my friend's mom said, "Oh, your parents can finally afford another car." Yikes. For me, it was my shoes coming from Payless. Some kids just knew that my shoes were cheap Payless knockoffs and mocked me for it. I realized my family was poor when I discovered that I was the angel tree kid that got that the class was collecting holiday gifts for. Oh. My parents would buy me sweatpants for the winter and then cut them into shorts for the summer. They were my only type of clothing I had until I got out on my own. When I was 13, I had to go to the school office to get my free lunch ticket. When I was in elementary school, there was a food slash can drive going on, and I asked my mom if I could bring cans in to donate. I didn't realize the white label cans were government food that were donated to us already. We were we were who the drives were basically for, and it was a weird realization. The winter nights when I couldn't get warm, my single mother didn't want to turn on the heat or the utilities would turn off. And there were there just weren't enough blankets. I put on my winter coat. It wasn't enough. I lost a lot of sleep. Yikes. Having cereal with water because we couldn't afford milk. Oh, my God. When I was 12, a friend's dad took me and her to Burger King for lunch. I'd never been in a fast food restaurant, although I grew up in an inner city surrounded by them. I didn't even know how to order, let alone how he could afford to splurge on us like that. In that moment, I realized that plain pasta or salted popcorn were not what most people ate for all meals. When we couldn't go on vacation, so when 
I had to write an essay about what I did that summer and read it out loud to the class. I would always have to spend time researching stuff in the library so I could write a pretend vacation I took, but make sure I got all the details right just in case anybody asked me about it. When I was six or seven, my family went out to celebrate. We dressed in our nicest clothes to go to the restaurant, and for years afterwards, I thought that had to be the one of the fanciest restaurants ever. It was a Baker's Square. I don't know what that is. No. When I realized that not all children shared a bedroom with their mom, I finally got my own bedroom when I was 15 years old. When I saved this, whatever the status was, was not as depressing as this. I'm <laughs> not going to read any more of these, because these are fucking depressing as shit. Right, they're not really, like... I feel like the one that was the status was something weird about candy. Right. Where I was like, that didn't make you poor, that just, like, I don't know what... It was something that definitely was like, that didn't make you poor, that's just a weird choice. And, like, none of the... All of those were very depressing. <laughs> I was trying to see. Okay, here we go. We'll do this to close, because this is not depressing as shit like that last one was. This is another BuzzFeed, but this is more of one of the quizzes. You're allowed one save card per TV category, so use it wisely. So it's just all, which so would you say? It gives you two options mm -hmm. for each one. Um, I'll answer this one because you have not seen either one of them. So it's Euphoria or Sex Education. I'll say Euphoria because I watch Euphoria. I didn't watch Sex Education. Sherlock or Breaking Bad? I'll say Breaking Break Bad. Breaking Bad, I never watched Sherlock. I wanted to. It's Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. That one's 50-50. Oh. Because it tells you how people voted. Um, The Mandalorian or WandaVision? Oh, I only watched one of them. <sighs> I'll say The Mandalorian. 60-40. 60 to WandaVision. Oh. I mean, I did like WandaVision a lot, but because it was well, only one season, I think that saved yeah. The Mandalorian. Parks and Recreation or Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Oh, shit. I, think, I would think I would say Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think I would say Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I loved. 58% Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Wizards of Waverly Place or Hannah Montana? We will skip that one because I'm going to guess you didn't watch them. Any the I watched one. Hannah Montana. How I Met Your Mother or The Big Bang Theory? Ooh. The Big Bang Theory. I didn't watch the ending of it, but it's got to be better than How I Met Your Mother. Lost or Heroes? Oh, Jesus. I never watched Heroes. Neither did I. <laughs> American Horror Story or The Walking Dead? I guess The Walking Dead. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, they both got kind of bad, so it's not like, oh, this one stayed good. Yeah. Pretty Little Liars or The Vampire Diaries? Did you watch either one of those? No. I thought you watched Pretty Little Liars for some reason. But... No. New Girl or Modern Family? New Girl. Oh, see, I probably would have said Modern Family. I like New Girl. 50-50 is that one. Lizzie McGuire or That's So Raven? Oh, jeez. Lizzie McGuire. 60% Lizzie McGuire. 
Supernatural or Once Upon a Time. We didn't watch either one of those. And that's the end. <laughs> Is this one any different? Okay, here we go. We'll do this one just to make it a little longer. You can only save one TV show from each of these groups. This one gives you four. The Office, The Good Place, Modern Family, or Stranger Things. Hmm. Um. I'm tempted to say Stranger Things, and I'm tempted to say The Office. I think at this point in time, I'm thinking Stranger Things, but they have a final season coming up. Right. And I don't want to say that now, and the final season isn't good. I'm not saying it won't be, but I don't want to build it up to be torn down. But also, like, I mean, I didn't watch all of Modern Family, because I know The Office, some of those later seasons are just like... Yeah. Ugh. I think I'd say Stranger Things. Stranger Things. 37% The Office. 26% Modern Family. 20% Stranger Things. 17% The Good Place. WandaVision, The Vampire Diaries, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, or Grey's Anatomy. Oh, God. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. 34%. Ew! Grey's Anatomy, 35%. Fuck off. That is a show that should have ended a decade ago. Like, why is that show still on the air? And why are people still watching people it? People love it. Shame on you. Gossip Girl, Orange is the New Black, Gilmore Girls, or Friends? This is definitely your wheelhouse. All four of these. I think I would keep Friends, but Gilmore mm -hmm. Girls is a tough one. I mean, of course you would. Not Gossip Girl? I did love Gossip XOXO. 58% Friends. 29% Gilmore Girls. 6% Orange is the New Black. 7% Gossip Girl. Wow. Pretty Little Liars, The Umbrella Academy, The Flash, or Glee. The Umbrella Academy. I never watched any of those. Ew, Pretty Little Liars got 37%. Big Bang Theory, Riverdale, The Fosters, or Jane the Virgin. I guess Big Bang Theory. I guess Big Bang Theory. New Girl, Game of Thrones, Loki, or How I Met Your Mother. What a weird grouping. Yeah. New Girl. I mean, the correct answer is Loki. You can pick Loki. Which I only... watch it. Fuck off. 31% New Girl. 30% Game of Thrones. 29% How I Met Your Mother. 10% Loki. Wow. Fuck off, BuzzFeed. Wow. Once Upon a Time, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The 100, or One Tree Hill? One Tree Hill. 34% One Tree Hill. That was the highest one. Hannah Montana, Wizards of Waverly Place, Victorious, or iCarly? I only ever watched Hannah Montana. I'm going to vote for iCarly because of Shane Top from Smosh. Okay. Shane Top had a guest spot on iCarly. Hannah Montana won that with 43%. iCarly has 15%. Victorious has 10%. Wizards has 32%.
Oh, and that's it again. Those are both very short. But anyways, we're going to end it there. I thought those would be longer than what they were. Um, where is that at? So I can get rid of it from my saved list. There it is. All right. Well, that was fun. Oh, you know what? We'll do this one. Because this will also be short. And this goes with a lot of conversations we've had. Um, I'm just curious. This is another BuzzFeed one. If you prefer these actors as silver foxes or when they used to be oh. regular foxes. First up, it gives you pictures of both. Because we did this with Alec Baldwin. We did this with Alec Baldwin. We talked about it with somebody else, too. Older versus younger. Um, so first up, we have Pierce Brosnan. Oh, older. Young Pierce Brosnan. Older. Older. Older Pierce Brosnan. Older. Okay. Older. Kelly says older. You lost. No. 88, 88% said no. regular Fox. I mean, minus his like weird Colonel Sanders. Who the fuck is that? Timothy Oliphant. Pre-Silver Fox. Oh. Current Silver Fox. I guess older. He looks weird as a young guy. What's the hair? He's got that weird, like, Josh Duhamel yeah. 1990s. This is probably when that picture was taken. 69% Silver Fox for Timothy oh. Oliphant. Uh, Dermot Mulroney. Oh. I know him. Younger. Older. Older. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Ugh. I don't like his hair. Ugh. I don't agree with that at all, but okay. You lost again. 67% said younger. I've, I've picked only the silver fox. Chris Pine. It's not gray-haired Chris No, absolutely fucking not. No, that's disgusting. Why not? He looks like... Uh, this looks like young Timothy Oliphant. You're like, you're not like, oh, he looks weird. No, he... Chris Pine with that looks like he lives outside. Okay. It's young. Younger. Oh, you won that one. 67%. Yeah. I don't agree with that. Oscar Isaac. Younger. Can I say neither? Older. Older. How dare you? Older. Silver Fox. 96% said older. Yeah. There's something about his young. Eric Dane. Younger. Younger. Older. Ooh. This is the creepy guy on Euphoria that I was telling you about. Ugh. The dad who, like, has sex with the trans kid and is super weird. So you said younger. You were correct. 63%. Ooh! Number seven is interesting. Steve Carell. There he looks is, better older. There is young Steve Carell and he, there is older, older Steve Carell. He looks Carell. better. He looks younger, older. He weirdly does. I mean, yeah, he's gray, but like he looks more youthful. Well, you know what I think it is? So when he's in these pictures, at least younger Steve Carell, he does not have a beard. He has five o'clock shadow, which is dark. But then around his eyes is also very dark. Yeah. But then him older, he has a beard. Yeah. And around his eyes is not as dark. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Him older is. 95%. Yeah. Ooh! This one's also, I think, a very clear winner, but we'll see what you say. Uh, here is young, pre-Silver Fox, Jeff Goldblum. It's older. 
the Jurassic Park era, probably, of Jeff Goldblum. It's older. He looks younger, older. Oh, see, I definitely would have said younger no. Jeff Goldblum. Ugh, what's that mustache? It's a whole beard. Barely. What do you mean, that's a barely? And a chin strap. That's a stubble beard. That's, a that's probably he shaved this morning. Look how thick his hair is. That's a mustache and a chin strap. Older. See, I think he looks super weird older. I think well, he looks super weird. I love Jeff Goldblum. It's because his weird, creepy smile, but <laughs> older. He looks younger. Uh, yes, Jeff Goldblum. Silver Fox. Ooh, 52. Older, 48. Wow, younger. that's a tough one. I think 48 is the correct answer. I think it's the younger Jeff Goldblum. Uh, John Slattery, who looks familiar, but I can't tell you Again. from what. Oh, God. Here's him younger. Okay. You have no clue who that fucking guy is. Oh, that guy. <laughs> wow, he looks different. <laughs> no way. It's just like the dad from Elf. You said, like, him younger? I don't even know. So for those of you playing the home game, I that is the dad from Get Out, is it not? I think? No. 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 Are we sure? Looks like it. John Slattery. He looks nothing like... Oh, it's the fucking guy from Mad Men. And he plays Howard Stark in, like, a bunch of different things. Spotlight, Howard Stark and Ant-Man, Captain America, the Civil War. Yeah, he was in fucking Mad Men, which oddly enough is not in his known for on IMDb. He's not known for that. I mean, that was like his big break was Mad Men. He was in Veep. Who's the dad from Get Out? I mean, they look very similar. Yes. Bradley Whitford. Is there a picture of him with a beard? I know he's had a beard in many a, many a role. But, of course, his main profile picture is him. Sand. There's him with a beard. Very similar looking. Yeah. Oh, he's the, yeah. Yeah, he was in that show. He was the dad. He was in tons of shit. So, are we going older or younger? I think older. For John Slattery. 48% older, 52% younger. Mm. Number 10. This could be tough. Could be tough. Let's look at both pictures. Ooh. The picture they use for older is not flattering. I will tell you that right now. But take into account of what you know this man looks like older because this picture was not the picture to use. <laughs> Fuck you, BuzzFeed. You clearly tried to be biased on this one. Uh, so we have young Kurt Russell. Or older Kurt Russell? I don't know. Younger, old Kurt Russell looks like he's had a lot of work done. Oh, see, I don't think so. Look at that chin. That is not the man. That is not the face of a man who's had work no, done. like in his eyes and his cheeks. Oh, see, I don't think so. See, they. this is so fucked. Because, like, that picture, that's a handsome guy. Yeah, I would say... Young Kurt Russell in this picture is attractive. Old Kurt Russell in this picture looks kind of like shit. Looks like Bo Bridges. No offense to Bo Bridges, but... I think younger. So we're gonna go younger. 93% pre-Silver Fox. Now I will say, 
If you look at him in the Christmas Chronicles, yeah, that man is an attractive Santa. Yeah. Ooh, speaking of movies you've currently watched in our house recently, Patrick Dempsey, mm. younger Patrick Dempsey, Enchanted Patrick Dempsey, or Disenchanted, Disenchanted Patrick Dempsey. Dempsey. <laughs> Clearly dyes his hair. I think older. He looks fine young, but like he's he looks better now. I think he looks better with like a hair color that looks like it's his natural hair color, not that dye job. Yeah. This looks like the guy who is hosting the current iteration of Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous. Mm. So we're going older? Mm-hmm. He's probably younger. 54% younger. 46%. That was close, though. Ooh. Richard Gere versus Richard Gere. That's a close one. A silence has fallen among... Uh, uh, younger. Upon the crowd. I mean, I think younger. 67% say yeah. younger. Yeah. I mean, look at that guy. That man, his hair. That man's attractive. What's funny to me is a lot of these guys, like, they're younger pictures. They're in, like, a t-shirt, whatever kind of jacket. Yeah. And then them older is very tuxedo yeah, and reward uh-huh. show. It's very distinguished. Jaiman Hansu, who was in Blood Diamond, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. There's him younger. There's him older. Younger. They don't look any different. Black They're don't. Just, except Black don't crack. What did you say? A younger. Oh no, I would not have said younger. You were incorrect. Thirty-six percent said younger. Sixty-four percent said older. Ooh, this one is, in my opinion, easy. Again, this is a horrendous picture, but it's younger is the horrendous picture in this one. Good sweet Christ. This picture is so... This man was on a TV show that lauded him as being one of the most attractive men in the world, and this is not the picture you used to fucking convey that. Ted Danson. Look at that horrible picture. It's older Ted Danson anyway. Look at that horrible picture. You couldn't find one shot from Cheers? Like, what is this? It's older anyway. He looks like this is an impression of Stephen Hawking. He's got no neck Uh because of the turtleneck, and his shoulders are up. Yeah. That looks like a hairpiece. Like, what the fuck is happening here? And then we have The Good Place. It's older. I mean, he is very attractive. 67% 67% said older Ted Danson. Ooh, this is right up your alley. How many of these are there? I don't know. Matt LeBlanc. It's older. Younger. Looks like... That's one of the Thomas kids, I think. He looks like Jonathan Taylor Thomas a little bit. Or no, he looks like a Culkin. Holy shit, does he look like a Culkin in that yeah. picture. And there's older. older. Hmm. I don't think he... Yeah. 39% said older. You were incorrect. We don't know who that is, so we're going to skip that one. Josh Duhamel, speaking of. There's younger Josh. And there's older Josh. Uh, Yeah, I mean, older. I don't like his hair. Silver Fox. 82%. Yeah. Ben Stiller. Looks exactly the same. Young Ben Stiller. I beg to differ. Older Ben Stiller. I think he looks good, older. 75 to 25. 75 said younger. Wow. Mark Ruffalo. We've got 13 going on 30. 
And we've got She-Hulk. I don't see any difference by the fact that he has gray hair. Younger. Younger. Okay. I feel bad, though, because did he, didn't he have, like, a brain tumor? 75%. Three silver bucks. I don't know. Ooh, Javier Bardem, a.k.a. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Okay. Younger. Older. Younger. Younger? He looks more like Jeffrey Dean Morgan when he's older, but... He looks more like Javier Bardem, you mean? Yeah. Because this is this is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Despite that first the... picture is ha- Javier Bardem. There's... That is Javier Bardem. Like, holy there's, shit. There's no question. That's not the... Those pictures are not the same person. You really think older? Younger him is yes. more attractive? Yeah. I think it's older him. Okay. Younger. Uh, you were incorrect. 31%. <laughs> Ooh, this one's a definite... I think this one's also a definite answer. Harrison Ford. Younger Harrison Ford? Older Harrison Ford? <laughs> younger? I don't know. 84% said younger. Daniel Day-Lewis is not really a looker in either one of these. Ooh, Colin Firth. Older. Younger? Older. Older. Okay. 29%, you were incorrect. <laughs> oh, dear God, this young picture of George Clooney. Ew. Older. Older George Clooney. Older. There was a time in my life where I wasn't sure about George Clooney, but then as I got older, I'm like, you know, I like George Clooney. I enjoy George. 93% said older. Oh, hey, the dad from Get Out. Bradley Whitford. Younger or older? Older. Definitely older. I feel like this is like an infinite list. Well, that's what I'm just seeing who else we got here. John Bon Jovi. Oh, Jeff Bridges. Young Jeff Bridges. Young. Tron 1 Jeff Bridges. Tron 2 Jeff Bridges. Young. How rude. Oh. Well, I can go back up because there's only three left. So we'll do one that's just for comedy's sake in this house. John Bon Jovi. Young John Bon Jovi? Neither. Older, it's older. Older John Bon Jovi. Older, he looks like a human being. When his music came out? When those people at that wedding pressured him into singing whatever song they... I guess older. They hounded him to sing. Do you remember that? Yeah. (laughs) When he's clearly like, leave me alone. Oh, you lost. 32% said older. 68% said younger. I said older. I know, you lost. Oh, oh. 32% said older. Oh, oh. Uh, let's see. Younger Jeff Bridges was your vote. You were correct with 84%. Yeah, and finally... No shit. Young Seth Rogen? Uh, older Seth uh, Rogen. Older, but neither. I mean, he's not that bad looking older. I mean, the younger he is very dorky looking. But I don't think he's that bad looking older. I think Seth Rogen has grown up a lot. Yeah. But... In our lifetime. 90% said older. Well, thank you for joining us on this wild ride. Um, I'll probably post that link when I post about this on Instagram so you can go through and make your decisions and tell Kelly whether or not she was correct or incorrect. I older on like 99% of them. She picked older on a lot of them. She married a man seven years younger than her <laughs> and she picks older male celebrities in like every time you ask her. <laughs> I prefer a silver box. It, but... wasn't, it wasn't on here, but in the debate of older versus younger Alec Baldwin, the correct answer is younger Alec Baldwin. 
Her answer is the 30 Rock era of Alec Baldwin. I'm not saying 30 Rock Alec Baldwin isn't attractive. I think I shot somebody on the set of this movie, Alec Baldwin, not really attractive at all. But 30 Rock Alec Baldwin, not ugly, but, like, come on. Go back through our Instagram. That's where we put it up. I think it's on the podcast one. If not, it's on my personal Instagram, at LightCapInc. I don't understand how anyone could pick older. Like, far and away, young... What movie was he in? Glengarry Glenn Ross? I'm like trying to think of younger... I always want to say Backdraft, and I don't think he was in Backdraft. His brother was. Um, And you know who else was in Backdraft? Kurt Russell. But thanks for joining us. Like I said, I'll post that link up. You can go through live... Live, look at it while you listen to the episode. Write down your notes so you can comment and tell Kelly you were exorbitantly wrong on so many of these. No. There's not one that sticks out to me that like, you were really wrong on, though. I mean, Jeff, I think Jeff Goldblum was more attractive younger than he is older, but he's just so quirky as an old man. Yeah, but he's always been that way. And also, if you're not going to look at it and tell Kelly she was wrong, at least go on and look and, like, look at that awful picture of Ted dancing. Look at that awful picture of George Clooney. Like, BuzzFeed was really trying to sway votes in some of these categories because the pictures are just atrocious. The old picture of Kurt Russell. Like, the Santa Chronicles exists. You could have used one of those pictures from that. Um, But thanks for joining us. Hopefully we'll be back next week. I mean, I'll I will gladly do these by myself. So if Kelly is busy, I know I talked to Andrew. I think Wednesday and Lexi's mom got COVID and they saw her. So I don't know when I'll see him next. Um, but yeah, we'll make it work. We'll figure it out. Hopefully I can just keep getting content out to you guys instead of just doing this like <laughs> baby burp for you. <laughs> Instead of just doing this, like, late-in-the-day Instagram post of, I don't know what fucking day it is, so sorry we lost track of time. Which, that was the case. The first two were planned, and the third one was like, I literally did not realize it was Monday morning until whatever time I looked at the clock, and I was like, oh shit, I didn't even attempt to record a podcast for this. Between hospital visits, and then, like, follow-up doctor's appointments baby doctor's appointments, your doctor's appointments, because she couldn't drive. I had the show for her around. I'm free but, now. Yeah, she's free now. She can drive. Back on uh, the streets. So we'll see you guys next... Well, we won't see you, but we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for being a friend. Don't forget to rate us and subscribe to us and tell all your friends to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the friends you keep. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you, and good night. <laughs>